strength. How many are walking in his strength? Okay, let me make you, let me help us to be honest. How many are trying to walk in his strength? Amen. Believe me, it's a daily effort. That's the part of faith. That's what faith is all about, making the effort, trusting God. Well, it's great to see you all here on this bitterly cold January morning. The only good thing about January being half over is that over half over, that January is over half over, amen? And that spring is all that much closer. I'm looking forward to spring. Anybody looking forward to spring? The older I get, the less I like winter, amen? I don't know, it's just old age creeping in, I guess. But anyway, I want to start with a story. I heard about a young man who went into a drugstore one day, and he bought two boxes of chocolates. And when the pharmacist asked him about the chocolates, he said, well, I'm going over to my new girlfriend's house tonight, and I'm going to meet her uh, family for the first time. And he says, I hear her mom is a real nutcase, and um, I think maybe I can try to win her over with the chocolates. If nothing else, at least she'll keep her big mouth shut while she's chewing on these delicious chocolates. Well, that night he's at his girlfriend's house, they're around the table, and he uh, asks if he can say the prayer before the meal. And he starts praying this prayer, and he prays, and he prays, he prays some more. It's very intense, about a five-minute prayer. And after his, uh, he's finished, his girlfriend looks at him, and she says, you never told me you were such a religious person. He looks back at her, and he says, well, you never told me your dad was a pharmacist either. <laughs> anyway, how many of you have ever been in a crisis when you definitely need God to step in? God to intervene on your behalf. I think we've all been there. Amen? I believe it's in times like that that we really learn about the persistent perseverance of prayer and how important prayer really is. We're in the third week of our Circle Maker series. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm glad that I get the opportunity to do a series on prayer because I think prayer is so important. I'll say it's a vital uh, part of our walk with Christ for sure. And my prayer is that in this new year, we're going to all have a better prayer life. That is my prayer. That's my desire for myself. That's my desire for this congregation because I can look at my own prayer life and it's not always exactly where it needs to be. But I'll say this, I believe now more than ever in the world we live in, I believe we need to grow in prayer. I believe we need to develop good habits and a great prayer life. I do believe as I look around the world that we're seeing the Bible being played out before our very eyes. There is so much hatred. There is so much godlessness in our world. But I do believe when the Scripture says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, I do believe that you and I have a part to play as followers of Christ. Listen to what God says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, I'm praying that our country will be healed. I'm praying that our country would be made whole. I'm looking for the day that we can get back to being the United States of America instead of the divided states of America. But I do believe from the bottom of my heart, yeah, it might take a miracle, but I believe if Christians would come together and unite, if we would come together and we would unite and we would pray, and not just pray, 
but pray hard. Pray hard for our country. I believe our country could come back together. I believe that God could heal our land. And as I said, that may, might seem like a miracle. Well, God's still in the miracle-working business. And it was Him that proclaimed that scripture that I just wrote. God wants to do a miracle in our land. Today we're going to be talking about praying hard. What do I mean exactly by praying hard? I think it just simply means getting serious about our prayers. Getting serious about our prayers. Paul Harvey, how many remember that great uh, radio newscaster? I loved Paul Harvey. He had definitely a way of telling a story. Um, I love that, and that's the rest of the story segment that he used to do. But he once told a story about how we should live like, um, uh, all be like this three-year-old boy who went to the grocery store with his mother one day. Well, before they went into the store, she looks at her little three-year-old and says, don't you dare ask for any chocolate chip cookies because you're not getting any. Well, she puts him in the cart. He sits down in the child's seat, and uh, she goes strolling him through the store, and he's doing great. He's doing fine until they got into the cookie section. And he stands up in his seat and he says, Mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? And she says, I told you not to even ask. No, you're not getting any chocolate chip cookies. Sit down and be quiet. Well, they continued down the other aisles and on their search for other items, they ended up back in the cookie section. Again, he stands up in his seat and he says, Mom, can I please have some chocolate chip cookies? She says, no, I already told you you're not getting any chocolate chip cookies. Sit down and be quiet. Finally, they were about to leave the store. They were approaching the checkout line, and the little boy sensed that this may be his last chance. So right when they get up to the counter, he stands up in his seat, and he says, in the name of Jesus, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? Everyone around him started laughing. They even started applauding this little boy, and thanks to all the, the generosity of the other shoppers, that little boy and his mother left with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> the point of my story is that this little boy was persistent, amen? Let me ask you all this morning, how persistent are you, not about chocolate chip cookies, how persistent are you about prayer? How serious do you really take prayer? I think this is what's happening, especially in our culture today. You'll see, you'll see people post something on social media about needing prayers. And instantly, you see all these other postings, oh, we're praying, prayers for you, and then they put these little emoji praying hands, and I, I try not to be too skeptical, but I'm wondering, are they really praying, or are they just putting that out there? Or maybe someone will come up to you and they'll start talking to you about a situation they're going through. And, and uh, as you're saying goodbye, you say, well, I'll pray for you. And maybe you do, but like one time, and then you forget totally about it. How many of us go through a whole day without saying one prayer? And then maybe we will lay down to sleep and we'll think, well, I'll say a few prayers right now. And within a minute into your prayers, guess what? You're sound asleep. Why is it that somehow we can find time to do all the other things we're supposed to do during the day, but at the end of the day, God is the one that gets left out? Think about it. God's the one that gets left out. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, it says to pray without ceasing. Does that mean that we're supposed to go all day long praying this nonstop prayer? Not really. It actually means to pray repeatedly and often. Come repeatedly before God during the day and pray often, and I'll just interject and pray hard. Praying hard 
is praying until the answer comes. Not giving up when the answer doesn't come, but praying hard until the answer comes. In the first week of our sermon series, I, uh, I uh, alluded to the story about the persistent widow. It's a parable that Jesus told. Today, I want to go back to that story, and I want to focus in on it a little closer. But in Luke chapter 18, this is what Jesus says in verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Everyone say, never give up. Could you say that with me? Never give up. Let's say it again. Never give up. Do you realize how important that is when it comes to our prayers? And I could probably stop right now because Jesus tells us flat out to pray and to never give up. How many of you have ever prayed, but you gave up? Every one of us should have our hand up, right? I mean, we've all prayed prayers that we've just given up. Maybe God wasn't big enough. We didn't think it was worth him bothering him with or whatever it might be. But look at verse 2. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, he's saying uh, she is uh, driving me crazy with her constant nagging. He said, because of that, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Let me just say, husbands, uh, we don't have a clue what he's talking about there, right? I mean, just keep looking straight ahead. Don't look around. Anyway, I had to put that plug in there. Verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And then, God go, then the, Jesus goes on in telling the story and says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and not just get justice, but get it quickly. This widow was persistent, to say the least. She kept coming to this judge with her request until he finally says, enough's enough. You can have what you want. I think this parable shows us that what praying hard really looks like. Do you realize it's knocking until your knuckles get raw in the faith realm? Do you realize it's pleading until your tears run dry? It's calling out to God until your voice uh, is lost and gone? Long story short, praying hard is praying through. And praying through is praying until the answer comes. That doesn't mean give up and quit. That means keep praying, keep praying through until that answer comes. And I'll guarantee you this, if you pray through, God will come through. If you do your part, God will do his part. If you pray through, I can guarantee you that he will come through and do what needs to be done. That phrase of, uh, that describes this widow's persistence, uh, in the judge's own words, if you look at the King James Version, he says, she is wearing me out. You may not realize it, but that's a boxing terminology. Praying hard is like going 12 rounds with God. Going 12 rounds with God in a boxing match, a heavyweight prayer bout with God is excruciating. It can be exhausting, but that's how some of the greatest prayer victories are won. Do you realize that? Going the full uh, 12 rounds with God, not giving up, not quitting. How many have ever play boxed with somebody? Anybody as kids uh, boxed with your brother and sister? We had a ball. But how many know it's pretty tiring? It can wear you out. Within a minute, you're totally exhausting, exhausted. But think about the stamina that professional boxers have to have 
Some of them, if they don't knock the other guy out, go the full 15 rounds. Well, think about our prayer lives. We don't go the 15 rounds. Sometimes we'll be lucky to go 30 seconds. Sometimes we'll be lucky to go a minute. I believe there comes a time in all of our lives where you have to draw a circle and you have to make a stand. I believe there are times when you need to get down on your knees in prayer and pray for God to do the impossible. I pray there's time. I know there's times when we have to stand still and trust God and muster up all the faith that we have and call down rain from heaven like that haunty guy we've been talking about in our series. Well, I'm saying for the persistent widow, this was that moment. This was that moment for her to make a stand. And the whole idea of Jesus telling this parable, if you break it down into just a one, uh, one little phrase, it's if the unjust judge will give her what she wants, then how much more would Jesus, a just God, a just judge, give to us what we want, give to us what we need? We don't know exactly what the injustice was that was done to this uh, widow, that made her keep going to the judge. We don't know exactly what it was, but we do know one thing about this persistent widow. She was persistent. She wasn't about to take no for an answer. That's why I'm calling her a circle maker. Maybe her son was falsely imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit. Maybe uh, the guy that molested her daughter was still out walking the streets. Whatever it was, the judge knew that this woman wasn't going to quit. She wasn't going to give up. The judge knew that this woman, if nothing else, was going to keep circling his house until she got justice. The judge knew that there was no quit in this woman. Let me ask you today, does the judge know that about you? That there's no quit in you? That you're going to keep praying until you see your answer? How desperate are you today for your miracle? Are you desperate enough to pray through the night? Are you desperate enough? How many times are you willing to circle that promise? And how long or how loud will you keep knocking until you knock the door down if that's what it takes? How persistent are you? How determined are you in your prayers? Does the judge know that about you? I think a lot of us aren't getting the answers we want because we're not as persistent as this widow was. I'll put it this way. If you aren't desperate, you're not going to take desperate measures. And if we're praying prayers that aren't all dependent upon God, if we're praying prayers that are not dependent upon God, we're going to miss out on the biggest miracles and the best promises. They're actually going to remain out of our prayer reach. But if we can learn how to pray hard, like this persistent widow, things can change. God will honor your bold prayers because your bold prayers honor Him. When you start honoring God with bold prayers that stretch you out of your comfort zone, all of a sudden you start to honor God in a way maybe you've never honored Him before. Like this circle maker, Hani, this persistent widow could have, and maybe technically should have, waited for her court date to approach the judge, and going to his personal residence definitely crossed a professional line. But I think it tells us a whole lot about the nature of our God. Remember, he's the one telling the story. It tells us about the nature and the character of our God. God could care less about religious protocol. Do you realize that? God could care less about religious protocol or legalism because if he did, he would have elected all of the Pharisees to be his disciples. He didn't do that. Remember when Jesus honored the prostitute who crashed a Pharisee's party so that she could come in and anoint Jesus' feet? Remember when Jesus, anointed, uh, when Jesus honored the tax collector Zacchaeus when he climbed up in the tree in his three-piece suit? 
to get a glimpse of Jesus? Remember when Jesus honored those four guys that were willing to cut a hole through somebody's roof and lower their paralyzed friend down to Jesus? And in this parable, we see Jesus honored the woman that was driving this judge absolutely crazy because she wouldn't stop knocking. Think about that. I think there's a common denominator here. It's holy desperation. Holy desperation made these people or moved these people to do what they were doing. People took desperate measures to get to God, and what did God do? God honored those desperate measures. Well, as I said last week, God's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore, so nothing has changed. God's still honoring, let's say, spiritual desperados who are willing to climb trees and crash parties. God's still honoring people who will pray with audacity, but not just with audacity, like how dare you pray that bold of a prayer, but with tenacity, with a prayer uh, life that will not give up, that refuses to give up, that will stand there in that circle and hold their ground. But why is it when reality sets in, sometimes when we pray, it seems like our prayers just go to the ceiling and they stop? We've all been there, right? It seems like you're thinking, God, where are you? Are you listening? Are you deaf? Do you care? What's going on, God? Nothing is happening. Well, I think it all boils down to something that we in the church world really don't like to talk about so much. When I'm up here preaching, most of you probably like me didn't preach this nice little neat safe sermon where I talk about God's blessings. We all love that. Those things are true and good. But whether you believe it or not, we have a spiritual adversary out there. Do you realize that? We have a spiritual enemy, an enemy of our soul, who has actually issued war on you and me. If you're a believer, he has issued war on you. You might be saying, oh, you're talking about the devil. Yeah, I'm talking about the devil. You might say, well, I don't know if I exactly believe in the devil, you know, that Lucifer guy. I just say, that's okay. You know who does believe in the devil? Jesus. Jesus believes in the devil. He believes in a dark spiritual world out there. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, let me just tell you what my pastor, Mike Van Britson, told me uh, the day I stepped into ministry. He looked at me and he said, Dwayne, hell hates you. Hell hates you. And hell will do everything it can to get you to abort your mission. Do you realize that? You may not be a preacher, but you have a mission. And hell hates you if you're a believer. And hell will do everything it can to get you sidetracked, to get you to abort your mission, to give it up. And if you don't believe me, let me look at a section of Scripture in the book of Daniel today, Daniel chapter 10. It's a pretty interesting story. Daniel had had a vision, he had had a dream, and he prayed that he would get the interpretation of that dream, and an angel appeared to Daniel. And here's what the angel said, verse 12. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. This wasn't the first time that Daniel had heard from an angel. If you go back to Daniel chapter 9, verse 23, an angel says, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you. In other words, whenever you and I pray, every time you and I pray, and this ought to blow your mind, every time you and I pray, not only does God hear your prayers, but God sends an angel immediately from the throne of God to answer those prayers. You know, maybe you've never looked at it like that. Maybe you've never seen it like that because that's happening in the spiritual world, in a world that we can't see. Go back to chapter 10, verse 12. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, he's talking to Daniel, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, 
and I have come in response to them. So Daniel is praying for an answer, right? And since the first day of Daniel's prayer, God sends a heavenly messenger to answer that prayer. The only problem is that heavenly messenger, that angel, got detained. He got detained for about three weeks, about 21 days. Why did he get detained? I'm glad you asked. Verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom. Let me stop right there because this is a reference to an evil spiritual entity. It's a reference uh, to a fallen angel, actually. He says, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Michael, we've all heard of him, right? He's the archangel, this awesome, powerful angel. He taps in. It's kind of like one of those tag team matches in wrestling. Michael comes in, he taps in so that he could free up this angel to go and deliver the message to Daniel, the explanation of the vision. Verse 14, the angel, now that he has made it to Daniel, says this, Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. From the very first day, the very first day that Daniel prayed, his prayers were heard and an angel was sent to answer those prayers. You might say, well, pastor, do you really believe in angels? I mean, what are angels? Are angels our loved ones that have died and gone to heaven and then became angels and came back to us? No. I hear that a lot, but that's not biblical at all. Angels are spiritual beings. Angels are spiritual beings created by God to what? To serve Him. Angels are created to serve God. They are these very powerful, awesome beings who function as God's messengers. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 verifies this. It says, angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. So when you pray, God will send the angels to minister to his believers in whatever way he needs them to. So our scripture tells us that God heard and sent an angel to Daniel on the first day, but he was detained. You know, as I said, this was all happening while Daniel kept praying. Daniel kept praying. Every one of those 21 days, Daniel was praying. He was actually praying and fasting, but he was praying. But he didn't know what was going on in the spiritual world because it was going on in the spiritual world. You know, I think this is one of those rare moments in Scripture that God actually pulls back the spiritual curtain and actually gives us a glimpse into something that we wouldn't normally see. It's kind of like going to a theatrical play. Uh, if you've been to a theatrical play between scenes, they close the curtains uh, you might not, if you don't realize this, there's some things going on behind the scenes. They're changing the scenes. They're changing the props. They're getting different characters, getting them repositioned. But once in a while, and I've been to a few of these plays, somebody slips up and opens the curtain before they're ready, and you see what's going on. All I'm saying is that's kind of what God is doing here. He opens the curtain, gives us a glimpse uh, to some things that we wouldn't normally see. But think about when Daniel prayed. Immediately, demonic forces rose up. That prince of Persia was one of those demonic forces. Demonic forces rose up and angelic warfare broke out. You know what that means to me? What that should mean to you every time you and I pray? There's going to be powers of darkness that rise up to try to hinder our prayers from being answered. From God getting the answer to us as quick as we would like it to come sometimes. But what do we do? Give up and quit just because we haven't got the answer? No. Because when you do keep praying, guess what happens? The powers of heaven are loosed. And this is pretty amazing when I read the Scripture, and it's not my word, it's His word. 
angels are loosed. Angels are loosed to assist you, to bring an answer to your prayers. Here's an interesting question. You know, Daniel was, he prayed the prayer. He was heard on the first day. A messenger was sent on the first day, but the messenger didn't arrive until 21 days later. What if Daniel had not kept praying? What if he had given up on the 14th day, the 15th day, the 16th day? Would that angel have still come with the answer? I don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't really tell us, but it implies that maybe not. Jesus actually tells us that we should always pray and not give up. Not because God is hard of hearing. Not because God needs to be pestered into bringing us the answer to our prayer. And not because God doesn't want to answer us. That's not the case. Jesus taught us to always pray and to not give up. Because when we pray, guess what? Our prayers carry weight. And the more you pray, the more weight your prayers carry. Every time you and I pray, it releases more of God's power into whatever situation you're praying for. It releases more of God's power from the throne room of heaven into that situation. Maybe you're praying for a loved one to be saved. Every time you pray, it actually puts more pressure on that person to listen to God, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're praying for your friends that are going through some struggles. Every time you pray, it imparts to them more and more power of God to take care of their situation. Maybe you've got some difficulties with someone at work. Each time you pray and you lift up your prayer to God's throne, it sends more power to deal with difficult people in difficult situations. What I'm saying, is there a dream in your life that Jesus needs to resurrect? Is there a, pr a prayer, a promise in your life that you need to circle and stand in faith to see God answer that circle? I believe, since we're talking about persistent prayer, Persistent prayer has a whole lot to do with results. Persistent prayer has a whole lot to do with results because if we're persistent in prayer, each time we pray, we send more spiritual power to bring that dream to life, to bring that promise, uh, that word to pass in our lives. By most conservative estimates, this is just an estimate, there are supposedly about 3,000 promises in God's word. About 3,000 promises. But because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross, every one of those promises belongs to you, and every one of those promises belongs to me. Amen? So this morning, let me ask you, what promise do you need to circle? What's going on in your life that you need to really serious, get serious with in prayer? Stand in that circle. Kneel in that circle. Trust God that you're not going to quit praying until you see the answer come. I believe it all starts with changing the way you read your Bible. Do you realize this has everything to do with praying? This is the instruction manual, I would say, on praying. But the Bible wasn't just meant to be pray, read through. Do you realize that? It was meant to be prayed through. You know, every time I sit down to read my Bible, I'm always near a pen. Usually I have one in my hand because I love to write in my Bible. I love to underline things in my Bible. I love to circle promises in my Bible. And I'll literally circle those promises, and then I'll pray those promises back to God. God wants to be reminded of His prayers, of His promises in our prayers. One of my most treasured possessions is a Bible that my grandpa gave me years and years ago. This was his old Bible, one of his many Bibles. As you can see, it's old. It's very old. This was a Bible that wasn't just well-read. This was a Bible that was well-prayed. 
I sometimes try to do devotions in this Bible. It's hard, but I like to try. Because you can barely read the words on the page, and most, many of the pages are almost gone or they're torn up. But I love to see what my grandpa wrote down in his Bible. I love to see those verses that stood out to him that he underlined. I love to see those promises that he thought were important enough to circle. As I said, this Bible wasn't just well read, it was well prayed. My grandpa would spend hours, and this was just one of the many Bibles that he wore out, seeking God and searching for truth in God's Word. I'll never forget the day my grandpa was dying. My dad and I were in that room with my grandpa next to his bed. This was years and years ago. And he looked at my dad and he said, Bill, he said, I want you to get behind Dwayne. I want you to support him and what God's going to do in his life. And this was years before I had a clue. I looked at Dad, he looked at me, and we didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But my grandpa had prayed. My grandpa had trusted God and believed God. He saw it before I saw it. I believe I'm here telling you about the love of Jesus Christ, the mercy of our God, a God that has plans for you and me, a God that loves us with a love that we can't even understand because my grandpa was tenacious in prayer. My grandpa wouldn't take no for an answer. Amen? And I'm just saying that we need to not only read our Bibles well, but we need to pray over our Bibles well. Amen? I love this Bible. I love the fact that it's falling apart. I love the fact that somebody took enough time to wear out the Word of God. Amen? How many of us are wearing out our Bibles? Do your Bibles look as new as they did the day you got them? Well, nothing against you, but maybe we need to read a little more, pray a little more. Maybe we need to seek a little bit more. I'm just saying God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. And I don't know specifically what God's going to do with your persistent prayers, but I do know this. He's not obligated to answer prayers that you're not praying. He's not going to answer prayers that you're not asking for. Maybe you've already given up on a loved one that doesn't know Christ and you want them to know Christ. Maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a wife, maybe it's a son or a daughter, a family member. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe you've given up on a hope that you used to have. Or a promise. Or a dream. Well, let me remind you that your God cares for you. Your God loves you. Your God is still listening even when it seems like you can't hear Him. He's still listening. He's still working behind the scenes. But it all depends upon persistence. I'm going to challenge you today. How persistent are you willing to be when it comes to your prayers? And when it comes to reading the Word of God, which kind of initiates our prayers, or at least initiates our prayers praying in the right direction. I'm going to challenge you to pick up your Word. Pick up your Word at home. Get into it. Open it up. I always pray before I seek God, God, you show me what you want me. I don't play the Bible roulette I have before, but I usually don't, where you just open it up and expect a word from God. I spend a few minutes at least praying, God, just show me. You know what I'm searching for. You know what I'm seeking. You know what I'm knocking for. God, just reveal. And when you pray earnestly before God, I promise you, God will come through. God will lead you. He'll do something supernatural with this word that you couldn't think, didn't think possible because he's a supernatural God. Could you stand to your feet this morning? Let me encourage somebody here that you are thinking about giving up and maybe you've already given up. I wouldn't say you've given up because you're here today. I'll just tell you God's not giving up and God's not going to give up. 
So you keep praying. You keep trusting. You keep circling those promises that God has given to you in His Word. And I promise God will come through. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we come together as a congregation today seeking You. Uh, Listening to Your Word, I pray that it would empower us, Lord God, to be all that You've desired us to be. Help us to open our hearts and our faith to You. And give us a passion. Not just a desire, but a passion for prayer like we've never had before. Father, I pray You'd help us to pray with perseverance and with a determination that we're not going to give up until you bring the answer. Lord, I thank you that you're that kind of God, that you are a faithful God to keep your promises when we pray. Lord, help us to be more like that persistent widow that wouldn't take no for an answer. Lord, I pray that you would stretch our faith to believe you for bigger things than we ever thought possible. I pray as we go into this new year, Lord God, that you would do a miracle in each one of our prayer lives, that, Father, we would truly get hungry for prayer, that, Lord God, if we go through part of a day without praying, we're going to sense that something is missing, and we're going to realize it's prayer, because prayer is time spent with you. Prayer is communicating with you. Prayer is communing with you. So, Father God, help us to do the best communicating we've ever communicated with you in this year of uh, of 2020. I thank you, Lord God, for your mercies, I thank you for your love, and I thank you, Lord God, that you say your word won't return void. I believe that miracles are happening within our desires to read your word even right now. We give it to you. We trust you for it. and We give you thanks for letting us be a part uh, and have the opportunity and the power of prayer within our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. Go out and read your Bibles.